Well, hey, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Deep Fried Preacher Podcast, a podcast where we talk about the gospel, guns, current events, and everything deep fried. I'm pleased to have with me today uh, recording deep in the heart of Clarksdale, Mississippi, at the Oakhurst Baptist Church studio, um, Pastor Mark Jackson and worship leader Tom Edwards of the Tom Edwards Band. Uh, Tom and I have been with Pastor Mark this week doing revival, and so for this episode of the Deep Fried Preacher podcast, I'm pleased to have them with me as we talk about some different aspects of the ministry and just what God's been doing in our lives this far. So, Mark, Tom, good to have y'all. Mark, uh, why don't you take just a minute, introduce yourself, tell us about um, your call to the ministry, and uh, what tell us about your family. Uh, Mike Shears, bud. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be in your podcast, uh, especially when it's talking about deep fried things. Uh, But no, uh, Mark Jackson, I am the pastor of Oakhurst Baptist Church. I've been here since June. Uh, First of June was uh, when I started the pastorate here. And uh, I've been in ministry now for 13 years. Um, I surrendered to ministry when I was um, in the uh, uh, graduating high school uh, in 2006. I was 18 years old, surrendered to ministry. I felt the call beforehand about four years prior. And then finally, uh, I'd had enough of running, and the Lord got the best of me. So uh, I now am the... uh, I now surrendered to ministry, like I said, for 13 years. I've served in youth ministry for 10, and I've now served in pastoral ministry for another three. So it's uh, it's been a blessing, been fun. Um, we got uh, got the call to come to Oakhurst Baptist uh, and from uh, to to be to come here as pastor. I was the associate pastor of uh, music and and students at First Baptist Church in Coffeeville, Mississippi, and uh, wonderful years there. Uh, spending time serving the Lord. So that's just a little about me. Um, and it's been a blessing here. It's been a blessing to have Lee and Tom lead us in revival. been fun, guys. And it's uh, been a blessing. We've eaten good this week. <laughs> Come on. We have, mm-hmm. And we've had some an amazing time of worship as well throughout the week. So I thank you guys for being here with us. And, and uh, let's let me get to be on a podcast. This is fun. So Mark, Mark and I uh, have talked this week, and we actually uh, have similar stories uh, with recently transitioning. Mark, you, you were transitioned from Coffeeville to Oakhurst. You've been here, what, three three, three months? Three months, yeah. Three months now, and recently I uh, had made the transition March uh, 25th uh, to Pastor First Baptist Church Terry in South Hines County, and I've been there six months. So we're both very, very new at our uh, new places of ministry and learning more every day. So uh, Mark and I have been blessed kind of help each other through some of those things and think through some things so uh tom it's good to have you on here today and it's been a pleasure working with you man once you uh tom is going to serve as a uh, unique uh voice to the ministry today for us at, as he's been involved in music ministry for how long now tom over 20 something years yeah well, well tom share us a little share with us a little bit about um about your story and how God brought you into the music ministry and um, about your family and, and all of that. Yeah, this um, this kind of happened to me. I never I never had one of those moments where I was was faced with, well, what am I going to do with my life? Because I started playing guitar as a teenager, and then I got into a band with some uh, some friends, and uh, we started playing for our youth group, and then started doing um, lock-ins and 
so glad I'm not doing any of those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amen. And uh, uh, started doing like youth weekends, disciple nows, and then camps, and then that just that just started snowballing. We just kept on doing that, and then that band broke up, and I kept on doing it. And you know, years down the road, I I was married and had a family, and this is what I was doing. And I said, well, I guess this is this is what I'm doing because God has gifted me with this and he's provided me the opportunity and there's nothing else I'd rather do. And so let's do this. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's not one of those, I uh, felt the tugging of the Lord during an invitation and I went to the whole church and said, I'm surrendered to the ministry. Yeah, you did. You, yeah. So there wasn't a time that you like went down and, uh, and accepted Fender and Stephen Curtis Chapman into your heart. Or, <laughs> or no, no, at least not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, for anyone that's not in the ministry, they can be a little bit oblivious um, to the the types of challenges that we have in ministry. Um, I can remember, Mark, not too terribly long ago, when God first called me into the ministry, um, thinking to myself, you know, well, if God's going to call me into full-time ministry, uh, what does a full-time pastor do with all of their free time? I mean, they just go around and drink coffee. Yeah, we they work on Just Sunday play Wednesday. golf. Yeah, I mean, uh, how long <laughs> can it really take to uh, to put a put a sermon together? And um, now at, at 32, I'd love to go back and find that 16, 18-year-old boy and just shoot him in the kneecaps or something. But um, so talk. talk we're we're going to talk just a little bit, Mark and Tom, about some of the unique challenges that we have in ministry. So, Mark, what are some of the, as pastor in, in Clarksdale, which is, for those of you that don't know, is very much situated in the Delta yeah. um, region of Mississippi, what what are some of the challenges that, that you face in in ministry? Well, blessedly, um, the, the challenges of, of um, racial barriers have, have now, it, it's, there's still barriers there, but it's not as bad as it once was in the Delta, uh, at least in Clarksdale. Now it's it's there, uh, it's it's there here and there, wherever you may go, um, and it really just depends on the church, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But Clarksdale, um, you know, when you go around town, this you don't really you you hear all the bad stuff about the Delta, and then when you finally get here, you're like, hey, it's not really that bad. It's it's you know the folks are kind, they're generous, especially here in Clarksdale. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's tons of great culture, historical culture, blues culture for Whoa. sure. Clarksdale is really the, the heart of the blues trail in Mississippi. So we get all kinds of tourism. Um, there's all kinds of different things that happens like that in Clarksdale. But really the, the main challenge here in the Delta is just simply you know, understanding that we're not the only people here. And, and, and thankfully at Oakhurst is that uh, we have crossed that racial barrier we have people in our church that are of other ethnicities, mm-hmm. and uh, and the Lord has blessed that and, and has continued to use them. And um, there are people in our church that are you know that are of minorities that are strong have strong presence in our church uh, and strong guidance and leadership as well. So, uh, but that again that can be the main one of the main issues, especially in the Delta. But you have that all over Mississippi either way it goes. Um, we are in the South, we're in the heart of the South, and we have those issues. But as far as you know, right here in Clarksdale, that's probably one thing that you do have to just be mindful of, that it's still there, but it's not as bad as it was years and years ago. And that, you know, trying to make sure people understand, especially our people here at Oakhurst, that it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter how you talk, it doesn't matter how you live, we want people to know Christ. We want people to know the love of Jesus, and we want them to know that they can have a home here 
at Oakhurst Baptist Church. So uh, that's, that's just one challenge that can be there. Um, and, and that challenge can be as big or as little as you want it to be. Uh, the, the, uh, the other is just simply having, like, like you said, you know, what does a pastor really do? He only preaches on Sunday. That's all he does all week. What do you do with the rest of your time? Well, there's, there's great needs of you know, shepherding care, pastoral care in our church as well, where uh, you never know when somebody's going to end up being in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And because of the lack of good hospital care around here, um, you know, pastor has to spend half the day going to Memphis or to Oxford or the South Haven um, and, and to take care of the people in that way, hospital visits. Um, you know, but as far as spiritual challenges and, and, and you know, the racial barrier and just simply getting people to understand that it's, it's okay to share the gospel, you know, and, and uh, it's, the, it's the truth that, that we have to share with all those around us. And so I, th- I think that's in every church, but, um, it, you know, the Delta is unique, uh, good and bad. And it's just something that we have to continue to grow with and, and find ways to, to get past those barriers, those issues that we can uh, glorify God in our works, so, in our efforts. And I think, you know, just kind of adding to that, one, um, one unique challenge that I've seen in, in my ministry is uh, that of missions mobilization. Yeah. Is what we kind of talked a little bit about last night was that um, for years and years, so many churches have spent thousands and thousands of dollars to to cross the sea and to go to yeah. Honduras, Nicaragua, Nicaragua, Haiti, things like that, to uh, to share the gospel with people. Yeah, and uh, we want that. We global missions is absolutely necessary. Yeah. It's there. We have to do uh, it. And but but I I think a problem that we run into in our churches is we feel like that we have to choose between doing uh, home missions or foreign missions. We we don't. It's not either or. It, it's both and. We yeah. we can do. We don't have to choose between. We don't have either. to cross water to share the gospel. Exactly. We need put, to yeah. share the gospel here, share the gospel there. Right. Um, so, Tom, you, you bring a real unique um, a, a real unique input into this. What are some of the challenges in worship leadership um, that, that you face? Yeah, um, just from the practical end of things, like I'm you know, listening to you guys and just thinking on um, just how our, our roles are different. You guys are the senior pastors, and you guys are looking at the entire big picture. And you know, for me as as the worship leader, I'm I'm considering the big picture, but also I have I have a little more. Uh, you, you've delegated this area of the ministry to me. So on the practical end of things, uh, I'm looking at how am I going to get the people to um, to say things about our faith together. Or to make some commitments together, mm-hmm. or ask the Lord to do some things together in a way that supports the vision that you guys are trying to execute and communicate yeah. to the rest of the church. Mm-hmm. So all the things that you've been talking about in the last few minutes, um, how, how are we going to reach the community? Um, I'm I'm trying to think of okay, how can I, how can I get us to say some of these things together? Absolutely. And you know they're they're hearing what you guys are saying to them, and I'm the one that's trying to get put some words into their mouths right. mm. to make some commitments mm. together and to just make proclamations to one another and back to the Lord of, of what we believe as a reminder to ourselves and as an encouragement to ourselves. And so um, finding ways to do that, thats it gets my juices going, mm-hmm. but it's a challenge yeah. you know, to, try to, to try to line up with that. And, um, and also just getting even more practical with it is just, you know, I'm I want to teach people new songs because 
there, there's good stuff that's coming out left and right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there are old songs that are being forgotten left and right, mm-hmm. and um, and I also can't can't put six songs into a worship service that are all brand new. I've got to think about mm-hmm. the people because mm-hmm. they spend their entire time trying to learn something new. They haven't spent much time actually thinking about the words they're saying. Exactly. So um, I've got to try to find that good balance of familiarity mm-hmm. so that we can easily sing the songs and, and focus more on what what the affection is behind the words that we're saying and, and what we're trying to do with this and what you know, are we like I said, are we proclaiming our faith together? Are we asking the Lord to do something among us? Are we making a commitment to the Lord together? Now, these are all things that we're doing together in worship and I want us to be able to be aware of what's happening. So, right, absolutely. So I want to throw a curveball here and, and kind of pull an audible uh we had talked through some of the questions and this is actually out of order but tom you you really teed it up nicely and i think this would be a good way uh, a good spot for us to um, start talking about it um what thinking on the idea of how pastors and worship pastors can work together uh, i think one common misconception between the relationship with pastors and, the, and worship pastors it's the idea that gets communicated to a lot of worship pastors by the pastor is you're you're here to add sizzle to my steak, and that's not that's not the point. That that's not what we're doing. That pastors and worship pastors are working together to to teach people about God and to yeah. sing the praises and the goodness of of God. So, what are some ways, Tom, that worship pastors and pastors can work together to the end that that the people of God are edified and that God is glorified? Yeah. Well. Lee, you could give me your scripture text mm-hmm. and your sermon title, mm-hmm. and then I can work off of that, and I have to assume a lot of things about where you're going with it, mm-hmm. because a lot of text, you can take it in a million different directions, mm-hmm. and if my mind goes in one direction, your mind could possibly be going in a completely different exactly. direction, and I'm leading the people into saying one thing, and then, then you come up, and you're going in a completely mm-hmm. different direction. And I, I feel the end, at the end of a worship time, like from you know start to finish, uh, I feel like we need to be um, on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea of having the singing worship and then the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's all worship, and it's right. all yeah. one one thing that's all tied together and interwoven. And so, um, the best way, like you and I have had some conversations this mm-hmm. week, and it's just kind of been an ongoing thing. So like you've been or, processing mm-hmm. some things with me. I've been processing with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you. You'll say, "Well, this is this text. This is kind of the idea." And I say, "Well, this is where my mind is going with that. Does that line up?" Mm-hmm. And some sometimes you said, "Yeah, that's what I was thinking." Mm-hmm. And you said, "Well, no, I'm, I'm kind of leaning this direction with it." And mm-hmm. so that completely changes the way mm-hmm. my thought process is going. Yeah. So open and ongoing dialogue. And mm-hmm. you know, if you and I were doing this a lot together. Mm-hmm. The more we talked about it, the more we'd be able to. The read more each other. I'd be able to know if you gave me a text. I'm like I know his heart. I know where mm-hmm. he goes with stuff like exactly. this usually, and I can probably support this exactly. And, and what that requires <laughs> pastors to do is it requires that we be on our game when it comes to sermon prep. Yeah. Um, that we that way early in the week we have more of an idea of um, where we're going with the text. Um, rather than it being, you know, Friday night, Saturday, okay, I've known that I've had this text, 
and now I'm Friday, Saturday, getting the, the actual sermon put together. One thing that, that has helped me tremendously when it comes to sermon prep is I know that at, at our church, by Wednesday afternoon, the bulletin is going to be done. So I produce a fill-in-the-blank outline um, for, for the church every, every week. That outline has to be done by Wednesday if I want it in the bulletin. What that forces me to do is it forces me on Monday morning when I am dog-tired, wore out, to look at the text, to wrestle with the text, and get an idea of where the text is going and what the main points are so that by Tuesday or Wednesday morning, I've got that outline produced and I have a firm grasp. You know, I may not have all the finer details ironed out, but I know the main points of the text and where I'm going with it. So if I have that together, I can get that to Tom and say, Tom, this this isn't perfect, but it's but it's a, cl- a good idea of where where I'm going and what the main points are and I'll, what I want the people to to understand as a result of having listened to the sermon. Well, obviously, ministry um, can be time consuming. Obviously, ministry um, can take up a lot of our of our personal time, and if we're not if we're not careful, we wind up with our time in the ministry affecting our family time. Yeah. And one Mark, one thing that you and I have talked about is that if we're not uh, a pastor to our family first, then, then we've ultimately failed. Right. So what are some ways that you kind of set up parameters and guardrail guardrails around around your family time? What are some things you do to protect your family time? I will say one thing that I am grateful for is a wife that understands that when being a pastor or shepherd, that if it's an emergency, she knows that I have to go. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, she also understands that I have to have time with them, and she helps me in carving out that time. Yes. And so what I do my best as is the days that are the offices are closed here at Oakhurst and anywhere else I've been, the days that I have technically, you know, in air per air quotes off <laughs> we never have a day off in ministry but the, the when technically the days that i have off from the office if you will i guard those days and i spend time with my kids i do things around the house uh, we go do things uh, it might be taking the kids to a movie on a friday night um, it might be um, you know here lately uh, we've uh, my wife and i just spend time with her we since it's the fall we go to mississippi state ball games every now and then you know, just finding time and making sure I'm protecting that time to spend with them. Because in the end, if everything all said and done and the world ends and it's just us four left, that's who I have left. Mm-hmm. And how much how much do my kids know me? How much mm-hmm. does my wife know of me? Mm-hmm. And and how have I shown my kids how I treat her in in being a pastor? Like you said, our first ministry is our home. Mm-hmm. is our family. And if we are not pastoring our wives, if we're not pastoring our children, then how are we able to take care of God's church? And, and the Apostle Paul laid that out in, in 1 Timothy 3. You know, we have to make sure we maintain our own household so that we can lead the flock, so that mm-hmm. we can lead the church of Jesus Christ. So it's a, it's, it's a responsibility that, allow, that, that you know, holds us accountable to, making, to, to be able to even lead the people of God. So um, I just, just to 
making a long answer short, uh, <laughs> the the days that, I, like I said, that I have off, um, I spend those days with my kids. And if it has to be a dire emergency for me not to be there with my family. And um, and so it's that's that's how I do it. I've done that done it that way for years. Um, and, um, and, and again, I'm thankful for a wife that, that helps me with that, holds me accountable to that, as well as also understands that if it is an emergency, she, she knows that I have to go. So, Absolutely. And I think, just to echo some of what you said, um, one thing that I try to implement in, in my life, um, when I leave the office, um, uh, the parsonage at First Baptist Terry is on the church grounds. Mm. So a lot, a lot of days I'm walking from the house to the office, and on the days that I come home and that the kids are home and that Jordan's at home, um, on that walk from the office to the parsonage, whatever's happened that day, with every step I leave a little bit of it behind. Yeah. Um, you, it's the adage that you, you don't have to take work home with you. Um, so with that said, um, I, I started understanding early, earlier on, I don't always have to answer every text message right away. I don't always have to answer every email right away. I don't always have to answer every Facebook message right away. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying this This can wait. Because like you've said, there's going to be plenty of times people don't always check in with you and make sure it's a convenient time for you for them to have a heart attack. Sure. Um, people don't always check in with you um, to make sure it's a convenient time for you for them to tragically drop dead and you there will be plenty of times in our ministry mark where where you and i have to get up and drop what we're doing and go show someone the love of christ in the middle of their crisis exactly but that a lot of that constitutes for you and me saying okay what is what is and what is not a crisis all right this person upset about the color of the carpet in the church not a crisis that's not a crisis no. This person's just found out um, at 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, their doctor's done called them, and they have stage 4 lung cancer. Mm. That is a crisis. Exactly. And I can leave my family for a few, for an hour and go just pray with them and hug them. Um, now, one thing also that, that I'll do, especially after a long stretch of, of, a, busy, um, of a busy week, um, I'll take time to go and replenish family time with my kids. And I won't, and I won't freak out if, oh, well, it's Monday at 2 o'clock and it's the middle of the work day and I'm taking my kid to Bass Pro Shop or Toys R Us. Or something. I, won't, I won't freak, well, not Toys R Us anymore. That's, but you get, you get, yeah. They're get, supposed to be coming back, but I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see. But um, I, I don't freak out as much if, if, I'm, if I'm borrowing time from another day that I gave up on an off day. I don't, yeah. I don't freak out about that. Um, Tom, what, what are? I know you've got a busy, uh, you've had a busy week already, but you've got a busy weekend. So, what what do you do to kind of guard and your your family time? Yeah. See, with what I do, I'm I'm on staff full time at my church, First Methodist in Clinton, and uh, part of that is uh, um, they they send me out to travel and do revivals and camps, retreats weekend events whatever so um, so yeah this week I've got um, revival here at Oakhurst Sunday through Wednesday and then Friday night I'm doing a fifth quarter in Oxford and 
Uh, <laughs> I can't help but laugh. One I'm step sorry. Above, one step above a fifth quarter. <laughs> I mean, a lot of Oh, my goodness. I'm getting too old for this. You can tell we've had uh, youth ministry experience man, as well. Um, this is so, true. This is so, true. yeah, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing my family uh, when I get home tonight. And I'll spend some time with them tomorrow. But then, you know, basically Friday and I'll be gone, and then half of Saturday I'll be sleeping. So um, then I've got church on Sunday, uh, so I don't get to see them a whole lot during that. Um, so, for instance, something that I did this morning, um, I realized there was a meeting at the church Tuesday night, and it was something I I needed to be at, but I just I just sent a message and said, look, I've been gone for this week. I've barely seen my family. Um, I need to be home that night. Is it absolutely necessary for me to be here? Fortunately, the church is very gracious, and they understand. Said, "No, you don't have to be there. I'll let you know if if there's something you know we need your attention on." So, um, so that that's one of those things. I I, I just try to, uh, you know, with any relationship whatsoever, you have to have some healthy boundaries. Yeah, and, of course. And and it's kind of, a lot of times that's just kind of a fluid thing. Some sometimes you can put down a hard fast rule. Sometimes uh, it's just kind of in the moment of. You know, I see this meeting, and I had committed to be there, but I just realized I really need to be home that night, so I'm going to yeah. have to check out for that. Y'all just let me know. And of course, you know, Tom, your your situation mm-hmm. with your, you know, with your ministry and and with you being not just a worship leader or worship pastor is you you're also you I mean you travel with all of this, and so it, it you can't really you know nail down some hard parameters for family time you just have to take it as you get it right and if you have extra time you take it even more and and so that's that's one thing that makes your uh ministry unique yeah and there's so many times that i've let i let the pendulum swing too far one way or the other i think we're all where i'm feeling like i really need to lean into the needs of the church a little more than i've been doing lately and then my wife will have to call me out on it and say we gotta need you at home Oh yeah, you're yes, right. ma'am. <laughs> and, and then there are times where I'm just really trying to lean into being at home with the family a lot more. And then some people at the church are like, "What's up? We kind of need you around here." And so, you know, fortunately, both sides of that are extremely gracious and understanding with me because um, I definitely don't have all of this figured out. But um, it's just it's just a just an ongoing awareness. Yeah. You know, just always looking out for how to balance things and um yeah just setting those setting some setting some boundaries the best that you can and um being ready to to fudge on some of them (laughs) (laughs) and um so so transitioning from that um thinking on this on monday mornings um pastors worship pastors we experience what i just call the ministry hangover where you have poured yourself out on Sunday and you are just exhausted. And it's, it's a different type of physically you're exhausted. Mentally, you're exhausted. And spiritually, you're exhausted. Yep. How do you handle the Monday ministry hangover? Martin? Mm. It's a good question. How do you recover? Well, good part of that recovery is is pre hangover, a good Sunday nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> that doesn't always work for everybody, but I, I will say I try to make sure on Sunday afternoon in between service times that I take a nice nap. And I know that sounds lazy maybe to some, uh, but I, I'm going to tell you there is nothing better than a good Sunday nap. My whole family practices that on Sunday afternoons. Mm-hmm. My wife lays down for a nap. My kids lay down for a nap. I get in my big oversized recliner, and I take a nap, and I go to sleep. And so that when Monday does come, I'm not as tired. I'm not as – but there, there, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, but come Monday, I, I will say Mondays for me just to not worry about – to I won't say worry, but to not really have to, you know, deal with a quote-unquote hangover from ministry, um, I just – I take my nap on Sunday, and I hit the ground running Monday morning. I just, I get in the office, you know, of course my day starts off with prayer and scripture, and then I get in here and get in the office, and I just, I just get busy, get to work, and, and my, it takes my mind off of my tiredness, and, and it puts my mind on the things that are in front of me, and um, and I guess it's a good way to put it like this, you know, I can sleep at night and, and, and rest at night, um, and so... And again, it's not the same for everybody. It's different for each one. And so, um, I, I remember um, my grandfather telling me, you know, why are you yawning? Why are you tired? Didn't you sleep last night? And that's just something in my head that's I, I can sleep at night. I've got this to do. I need to see my family. I need to take care of this this you know this issue here with this ministry problem, or I need to make sure that I'm preparing for Sunday because Sunday's always coming, and you got to always try to get a jump start. And still doing seminary work, I try to designate my seminary work on Monday. So mm-hmm. I have to just get in here, get my work going, and get done, and um, and just just keep going. So I don't really, I don't technically have, I don't deal with a technically a ministry hangover. But I will say, this past Monday, I was ready for a nap Monday afternoon. I was just just tired. Mm-hmm. So it's been a busy week, been a fun week, but a busy week. And uh, so that's just that's just how I deal with it. Tom, yeah. my my grandfather and my dad are both both Baptist pastors and uh, they I don't think they ever worked on Mondays it was just kind of I'm sure my dad just picked it up from granddaddy and they just Monday they wouldn't go into the office and they would mm-hmm. just just be around home of course they, as a pastor you're on call 24-7 Absolutely. And so they're always available and, and there's always some kind of follow up from Sunday as well I mean if you know if if there were some things that people were dealing with on Monday, I mean on Sunday morning or Sunday night, then you're hoping they're still dealing with that stuff. And Absolutely. you know, a lot of times they're going to need to reach out to you. You need to be ready for that for sure. Um, but that um, for me, I, I would, there are so many times where I wish that Monday, I mean that Sunday was the end of my work week mm. because I spend Monday through Thursday uh, preparing for what's going on on Sunday. And then I then I'm usually off Friday and Saturday, right? And then I jump back into it on Sunday morning, and then I'm worn out <laughs> on the yes. first first work day of the week. Yep. And um, it's it's the best way for the people that we're ministering to to start their week off with with worship that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely you know I don't want to change the culture for that, but for me I would I would love to be able to just not have to mm-hmm. face any of it on Monday. But um, usually. Monday mornings usually kind of look like showing up at the office and just, you know, I'll go sit in the youth minister's office or the children's minister's office and we just kind of talk through just whatever comes to mind. A lot of times it's kind of rehashing whatever might have happened on Sunday or, um, 
maybe we'll we'll look at sometimes sometimes I meet with the pastor about it too, and we just look at what happened yesterday. Was it good? Was it bad? We need to yeah make any changes. Anything or, we need to work yeah. on? We have a designated meeting time on Tuesday mornings where we you know officially do that, but sometimes we just kind of unofficially have the conversation. Right. So it's kind of an unwind, but also yeah. kind of thinking into well, it's still where we're fresh going. on your mind. Yeah. 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 So it's a more relaxing time to do that because yeah. I mean it's. If I'm taking the day off, it's still going to be on my mind. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, but it's it's kind of a leisurely way to just talk through some of that stuff. So I'm, it, it is um, dealing with the task at hand. So it's yeah. not just just shooting the breeze. But absolutely, I, I know a, I know a pastor in my ministry that I've known for a while. He actually practices kind of what you're talking about, Tom. Where his the first day of his work week is Wednesday, and he he works through the weekend and takes Monday and Tuesday off. You know, so Sunday is the last day of his work week, and he's done that for years. And so, um, and and, and it, it works great for him because that ministry hangover that he does, he may have, it allows him to unwind by going fishing, by going hunting, by you know spending time with his family on you know on Monday. Um, you know, he might go pick his when his girls were in in high school and and in and in grade school, he'd go pick them up from school and go take them to do something that afternoon. You know, or he might go eat lunch with his wife or on those two days. It, it'll free him up to do more family things. While they may have been at work and school, it freed him up to go minister to them while they're at school and work. And so it worked really good for him. Um, the only thing is, is when he needed Friday and Saturday off, <laughs> it made it hard it made for him hard. to, because it, it does flip the week from his yeah. kids and, and from his kids. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, 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 it again, it worked for him. and. It just it's kind of like what I said a minute ago. It really just depends on your situation and how you can make it work for you, yeah. so that your body. Because I mean, it is about a physical recovery. Because it, you know, what we might be fat and happy and eat good in churches, but I'm gonna tell you, you're tired. You know, after a good long work week of being in the hospitals, being in people's homes, um, you know, dealing with ministry issues, meetings all evening on one day of the week, you know, um, and, and even with uh, recovery ministry and. and I go on and on. <laughs> so, you know, we're not in a profession where we clock in at a certain time, we clock out a certain time, and we're hands off. Right. You know, it, it's not, we, we never leave work at work. Um, we, we do that to the best of, of our ability, but, you know, and it's it's a, uh, just just real world comparison, it's, it's just like any salaried position. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're not hired to work X number of hours. Mm-hmm. You're hired to do the job, mm-hmm. and this is what we will pay you to do the job, and this is what we've agreed to. Some right? some so, weeks, some weeks you'll get the better end of the deal. Yeah, and then yeah. some weeks we're going to get the better end of the deal. Exactly. <laughs> you might get to you might only have to work thirty hours one week, but then the next week it might be eighty. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So sometimes I feel I find myself whining about how hard it is doing ministry, and when. It, it does have its unique challenges and it is difficult, but some of the things I whine about, uh, I feel like, you know, people that are working in the real world are like, well, welcome to the real world, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how it works. So, I am in the real world. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so as we're talking about, like, recovering from the ministry, one thing that I do is that I, I realize that um, on Monday, my tank is depleted. Um, so Monday for me... Um, is the easiest day that to take off, but I don't I don't take it off. 
Um, I use Monday morning um, to get my tank full. Um, and what that looks like for me is I'll go in, and from 8.30 to probably 10, 10.30, my door shut. My receptionist, my secretary, they know the door's shut. He's, he's unavailable. He's, and, and what I'm doing is I'm taking that time to, to get in the Word um, and pr- pray and pray a lot. Um, I'm reading myself full and I'm praying myself yeah. hot. And I'll, I'll do my devotional reading. I'll look at the passage that I'm going to preach on the, the following Sunday because Sunday is, it's always coming. Um, but I'll also take time to invest in myself and by, by reading something else. So that could look like a different, it could look like a leadership book. Um, it could look like reading a, a book on, on, on the ministry. Um, like currently right now on my desk, there's um, uh, extreme, um, extreme Ownership, How Navy SEALs um, Lead and, and Win. Um, and then there's The Supremacy of Preaching with um, John Piper. So right now I'm reading those two books together. And Monday is the day that I'll find myself sitting at the desk and just pouring into myself. Yeah. Um, so when and, and, and also, you know, Monday I may take time to go to lunch with another pastor and just encourage one another, pray for each other. And usually by Monday afternoon, about 1, 1.30, I feel strong. My spirit is energized. I'm ready to go. All right. So... Um, Looking through all that, we've talked about so much. Um, let's go to this. Mark and Tom, I, I appreciate y'all um, coming on and, and spending this time with me. Um, the Deep Fried Preacher podcast would not be complete if we didn't talk a little bit about food. Um, one thing that we're known for in our churches is uh, is our food. And uh, the name of the podcast is the Deep Fried Preacher podcast. So... Men, what is your your favorite deep fried food? My friend John introduced me to white bass recently. Took me fishing out at Eagle Lake, and uh, he knows where to find them where they school up, mm-hmm. and and you can you can catch them every cast. They're like five to seven pounds on average, and so they're huge. And a lot of people don't like them. They're junk fish. There's no limit on them because if you don't know how to clean them, they're disgusting. But he knows how to clean them. You get that get that layer of red meat off the outside mm-hmm. edge and take that mm-hmm. little red vein out of it. Uh-huh. And it's the finest stuff you've ever had in your life. Get that mm-hmm. get that peanut that. oil hot and get that filet. Put some of the batterings. Oh, yeah. Did you do the, uh, fish fry? Like the, the fish fry or the cornmeal? Or, oh, mm-hmm. man. Man, man. It'll so good. Yes, fried so good. fried fish is is where it's at. I mean, fried chicken's always good. You know, anything you know, anything meat fried. You know, fried deer steak, all that stuff. That's really good. Mm-hmm. I love fried fish, but you know, it it, it comes. I was going to say fish like you, Tom, but I happen to remember Lee. I'm going to jog your memory. Do you remember the country fisherman apprentice? Yes. Oh Lord, have mercy. Wednesday we had fried pork chops. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> a little bit of the fat. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. I can remember like the flavor uh-huh. in my mouth right now, mm. like it was that good. I think I, I think I feel a mission trip coming. <laughs> well, well sadly, sad, sadly, 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 country fishing oh, has been yeah. closed. 
for several Sam, years. Yeah, that was, was a heart heartbreaker. Oh, and we, um, and Tom, man, fried catfish. You talk, they they yeah. fried it up nice and yeah, they did. They had nice good fish too. Oh, them yeah. pork chops were fantastic. So, uh, but uh, but on a regular average uh, week for me, uh, fried yeah, just any kind of fried catfish. Uh, and, as long as it's done what done right, cooked you know cooked well and battered well, it's uh, you can't beat it. Mm. You just can't beat it. And I was about to say, with you being in the Delta, uh, Mark, you you've got to go with catfish. Oh, of I mean, course, you've got yeah. to go with catfish. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm on. I'll, I'll go the fried backstrap route with it being close to uh, to deer season, and uh, growing up, I mean that's what I was raised on. We we ate fried deer meat probably twice a week. Mm. And uh, my wife has this thing where she will take the back strap and she'll soak it in salt water and milk. And it has the most, and when she puts it in the flour and fries it up, and it, it winds up with the most flaky crust that, that you can imagine. Uh, just melts in your mouth and the, the salt water gets in there and the milk and it helps... To, to tenderize the meat up and uh it, it just you know I, I know that pete i'm probably going to get a first podcast with the deep fried preacher i'm probably going to get emails from Peta, um <laughs> man like old bambi step out and next to that in, in that in that plot <laughs> bambi going down baby bambi going down i'll take bambi down to chinatown um, they so. really will eat it down there. All right. Uh, one. Oh, oh. oh speaking Those of egg rolls last night. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. So Tom, Tom, tell us this. Tell, we're, 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 this. This podcast is going like one of my sermons. Long. And Tom, <laughs> so, so tell Tom, walk, walk our listeners through. Sun, I'll, I'll set you up. Sunday morning. Um, Pastor Mark so graciously um, set it, it set it up for us to eat lunch at the Clarksdale Country Club, which had some of the finest, finest uh, prime rib that I've ever had in my life. But um, we're we're sitting down at lunch, and Tom notices that there is a um, Chinese couple with us, and um, Tom tell. Tell Tom, uh, I mean, tell tell Mark the the question that you asked, and and walk through kind of what what happened as a result. Well, yeah, we had we had the Chinese couple that was eating with us, and I noticed Sunday morning during the service there was the, a lot of Chinese families in the church, and so it just kind yeah. of occurred to me, you know, when we were walking out, I, I said to Mark, I said, please excuse the stereotypical nature of this request but is there any chance we're going to get some home-cooked asian cuisine this week and uh then the uh yeah it was on from there it was he he asked the question and i and you know i'm not one to just you know ask uh uh someone of another ethnicity for their type of cultured food i mean either that's why i told you to do it <laughs> but I, I knew what his request was, and so I knew who to go to. We have a man in our church named Mr. Gilroy Chow. Mm. He, is a, he is a genuine Southern American hero, and uh, uh, we can talk about his story maybe at another time, but um, I just knew I could go to him and ask him. He's actually our chairman of deacons here in our church, and, and so I went to him, and I just put in the request, and uh, 
Um, we were so glad. And it, man, I'll tell you, he was more than happy to do it. And he, they, uh, we went over to his house. It was last night we ate over there. So, uh, went over to his house and, uh, and, and, um, and had, uh, had an authentic home cooked Asian dinner, uh, Chinese dinner. And, uh, it was fantastic. One of the, one of the men that were there is, uh, Gilroy's brother-in-law, Aldrich. And Aldrich is just as good of a cook as Gilroy, and he made something that uh, y'all you know the shrimp and the rice. Did yes, you know yes, that? yes. Oh, yeah. I called it like Chinese the, like, gumbo. The ground beef. Yeah, the ground beef oh, and the shrimp yeah. and with the roux uh-huh. on it. it. I called it a Chinese gumbo. Well, I asked Aldrich, and it's actually shrimp Cantonese just without uh, without lobster, and so um, and, and it was fine. It, it's just yeah, <laughs> those the egg the egg rolls. Yeah. Aldrich made those as, big as well as my forearm. Yeah. And I I just uh I had dreams about the egg rolls last night. <laughs> and um if the, if I would have taken some of those egg rolls home with me, I, they were good enough that I think I could have just taken them right out of the refrigerator and just oh, chomped yeah. down out on them. Um so and just quickly for Mr. Gilroy um, he he actually was a was a contract employee for for NASA, correct? Well, yeah, that and and for other other he was a contract military employee, and then he worked for NASA worked for for, for uh, several years and uh, d- helped build and design the the lunar modules for the Apollo uh, space missions, and yeah, several of them landed on the. Uh, uh, on the moon, six success, six successful moon landings with the lunar modules he helped design and build. So just to sit and talk with him and just such a humble guy it was just a, such a such a pleasure. All right, one, one last question and then we'll <laughs> and then we'll we'll we wrap can talk this about food up. all day. <laughs> yeah. um, well, we're we're about to talk about food again. All oh, right. okay. So uh, as Baptists, we are notorious for uh, for having dinner on the grounds. The must-have staples at a typical Baptist dinner on the grounds. Mm. Well, fried chicken. But you're gonna have fried chicken. But you're going to have some of the homemade fried chicken, and then there's going to be going to be a bucket or two that somebody picked up on the way. Yeah, of course. From KFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, KFC. And, and I like and I, and I don't discriminate. Yeah, yeah fried, yeah. fried. I've never met a fried chicken I didn't like. Amen. Um, Gas station fried chicken too sometimes, yeah, especially in the Delta. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Double quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Junior Food Mart, Collins, Covenant County. Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, deviled eggs. Yeah, absolutely. That's a staple. That's a staple. I'm gonna throw one out, guys. That um, you, you can pick on me. You can call me a five year old, and that's fine. Macaroni and cheese. Yeah, and I don't care. I, I don't. I don't discriminate. I don't care if it's craft. I don't care if it's the great value. I don't care if it, if it's homemade. Now, granted, homemade is man. I've had some homemade mac and cheese and make your tongue slap your brains. But um, I don't discriminate. Mac, mac. I've never met a mac and cheese that I didn't like. Yeah. Especially if they close enough to Chick Fil A, you go pick up the new mac and cheese. Mm, Chick Fil A. It's good stuff. Yeah. I swear they've kidnapped a Baptist lady and like <laughs> holding her hostage or something and got her got her making it back there. Um somebody's always gonna bring a, a tater tot casserole. Yeah. Oh, it's got, with it's the got some beef. ground beef and some other something. Yeah, that's always a good one. 
probably I don't know what they put up in there. Then Nowadays, it's gotten kind of popular, but corn casserole has mm-hmm. gotten real popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good staple for a potluck. Corn casserole is more of a Thanksgiving staple for yeah. than anything else. But, Tom, a tater tot casserole, I don't know. If you put meat, cheese, and potatoes in it, how can you go wrong? That's every food group. If, if you at put, least the important ones. If you put meat, <laughs> cheese, and potatoes on a dog turd, I'd probably try it. I don't know. I, I may have, we may have to edit that out. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, Mark and Tom, thank y'all for joining me on the Deep Fried Preacher Podcast. If you would like to support the uh, Deep Fried Preacher Podcast, here's what you can do. You can like us on Facebook. You can share our links. Tell your friends. Always remember, uh, follow Christ. Keep a Glock on your hip. Talk to you later. Bye.